I know you, don't I? I'm usually very good with names, but I'll be damned if I haven't forgotten yours. You stole my cab. <laughs> I've never stole anything in my life. I hailed a cab on Park Avenue this afternoon, and uh, before I could get in it, you stole it. You're the guy who tried to get my cab. <laughs> I knew I knew you, yeah. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 134, and today we're going to be talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. This great and fantastic film stars Steve Martin and the great John Candy. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. How about those bears, Slover? Well, since we've got a number of new listeners and followers on our Facebook page, I, I, I thought I'd like to, to have them meet Steve Michaels. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, and there's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. I could tolerate an insurance seminar. For days I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? I'd say, because I've been with Steve Michaels. I can take anything. You know what they'd say? They'd say, I know what you mean. It's a drunken podcaster guy. Whoa. It's like going on a date with a chatty cat doll. I expect you have a little string, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back, except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would, Steve. Ah, 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 ah. And by the way, you know, when you're telling these little stories during the podcast, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes so much more interesting for the listeners. <coughs> well done. You know what, actually, I think I uh, – um gave Jeff the wrong uh, nickname here because uh, uh, my other good dear friend, Jeff, you insensitive bastard Muncie, because I expected that from him, not you, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. So, uh, Jeff, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. Uh, six bucks in my right nut says we're not going to survive this podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm done oh man you know i forgot about some of these quotes um <laughs> i'll tell you what i did too because i'm used to watching the edited one for tv and i was kind of caught off guard by a few comments on this show yeah, I, my God. Yeah, we're going to have a good time with this one. Uh, folks, our other very good and dear friend, uh, Ken, you're going the wrong way, Roni. Uh, he is, <laughs> yeah, he's he's out uh, holding court again with his uh, entourage. So he sends his regrets and regards, or regards and regrets, uh, that he couldn't be here, but uh, he will be back eventually. So anyway, guys, we're going to be talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. This is... Uh, a John Hughes movie that is from 1987, and I just want to make the comment right off the bat. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. I mean, it. I was shocked when I looked on the IMDb page and saw it was 87, because for some reason I kept thinking, this is like mid-90s or so. 
I, I, it just blew my mind because I wasn't even making the John Hughes connection because the only John Hughes movies I ever thought about were the, you know, the Brat Pack movies, you know, 16 Candles, uh, uh, Breakfast Club, that kind of crap. And literally still have a hard time wrapping myself around. I'm like, I remember seeing this, but I don't remember seeing it when I was 19 because that's basically how old I was at that point. So, uh, just a little bit of a, you know, flashback where you go and go, God, was it made back then? I mean, did you guys think that when you saw it? Did you realize it was that old, or am I just the only one that's lost in a time warp? I knew it was an old movie. I don't know if I really remember. It was 89. Uh, I thought no, it was 87. It was 80s, and I think I actually might have thought it was earlier than that. I mean, because that's almost about the time I graduated high school. So, 80, I don't... 87? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Not 87. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the Burbs. I was looking at the Burbs oh. earlier. That's, that came out '89. Yeah. Um, no. Um, okay. So it was. Yeah. It was about the right time frame then. Mid to late '80s. Okay. I, it just was one of those things where when I looked at it, but then once I started watching, I'm like, oh yeah, now I remember this. I mean, you you had that classic John Hughes '80s music that was in there. That really, that really, yeah, I mean, it just really oh, yeah. puts you into the mood of the movie. I mean, it was right there. And it's so well done. And, you know, for, for those of, <clears throat> excuse me, for those of uh, our listeners out there that aren't of our age or don't know about the John Hughes movies, there is a look and feel and a sound to these movies. And when I say a sound, I talk about, like, the music, the soundtrack, that really sets them apart. I mean, as soon as you start hearing certain music, you're like, oh, that's a John Hughes movie. So, it's, it, it, do, do you find it's almost like a John Carpenter movie in a sense? Yes, I mean you, you know, know when it's, yeah you know, exactly you know, you know it's a John Carpenter movie yep. if you by the music that he plays. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, guys, before we get too far into the thing and before Mark calls me out on it, we're going to do the Man Cave movie <laughs> intro to this great and fantastic film. Somebody's Doing keeping the train God. on the rails. I am. I believe me. I'm I'm drinking watered down whiskey right now, so I'm just I'm just making you know, sure. Just like the train in this movie, <laughs> I figure we get about 20 miles out of the station and it blows an engine, and we've got to walk a mile in the mud, and we got to carry Steve's shit again. <laughs> you know, the look on his face at that point is like, of course, of course, it, of course, I had to get out of the train. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, guys, I hope you really like this one because. Uh, Actually, Depp thought this one up. I'm going to get her an agent so we can start getting her some money. Yeah. Neil Page struggles to get home before Thanksgiving, but must make the journey with Del Griffith in this classic John Hughes movie. Where is your other hand? Between two pillows, baby. Those aren't pillows! <laughs> okay, that's the best one ever done today. Bra- Bravo, sir. You and your wife. That's it. That's it. Deb and Steve show. We need to get it. We need to get it down. New podcast. Get it. You gotta come up with a uh, a group name now and call it the I don't even know what the hell to call it. That was great. Thank you. You know, for the slap, we were trying to do it where you know she would like slap her hands together, and it wasn't getting the right reverberation. So uh, actually, we just used my yardstick that I used to kill spiders down here and just slapped it against the table. 
Oh, God. I thought I you were going to tell me you turned her around and smacked her ass. <laughs> no, she wanted to do it to me. I'm like, no, I, that's, I'm the director. <laughs> I'm not allowed to take physical punishment. So so there you go. All right, there you go, folks. That is, <laughs> that's the man cave intro to this great, fantastic film. And yeah. it is a great and fantastic film. Uh, what we talked about, folks, is we wanted to do uh, something that was uh, coming up on the holidays, obviously, Thanksgiving's next week. And, uh, you know, the, the, the brain trust that is the Man Cave movie review sat around thoughts like, what would be a good Man Cave Thanksgiving movie? And we thought, oh, my gosh, I mean, without a doubt, planes, trains, and automobiles. Great buddy movie. I only mentioned two people that really starred in the movie because there's really only two people in this movie. Yeah, there's characters that are in there hit and miss, but, you know, Steve Martin and John Candy are the two main actors. Uh, I mean, his wife's got a secondary role, which is, you know, peripheral. It's not even worth mentioning. Not saying it's irrelevant. It's very relevant, but um, just not there. This is a, it's a great movie. It really harkens back, I think, to the 80s for me once I saw it again, because especially the music. When you hear some of the music in this movie, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and not just the music, but just like the background music really reminds me of that time period. And it is a great buddy movie. You know, it's just basically about these two guys who are trying to get back to, you know, back to home and or back home to Chicago. And they're about as opposite as you can get. And it's just, it's a wonderful story when you really think about it. Well, you know, I got to admit, you know, when I when I watch this when I watch this movie, I I, I think of Steve and I because you know two complete opposites. You know, I of course see myself as the role of Steve Martin and and uh, and Steve as oh yeah, Candy. but um, the I I can't even say that with a straight face. But um, you know, this uh, when, when I think of buddy movies, this is really one of the first ones that comes to the top of my mind. It it is it it's got something for everybody. I mean, we we did it because it's a buddy movie, but I mean, this movie I think is is well respected and, and liked by I mean, not just the guys but also the ladies. And I think it, it has the right amount of humor and and also I mean, there's there's a bigger message to it. I I think they they I don't think they abuse it or drive it home um, too heavy handed. I think it's you know once it's there, it's there and it's put out there for you. Um, but it's, it's a fun ride along the way, you know, it's a road trip movie and you get some good laughs. It, there are some things that are done that are just utterly ridiculous. Um, but it is, it is two people. The thing that, the reason that it works is you have two people that were perfectly cast in this role who on the screen, the two of them just work so well together that it, um, it, it's the, no, no one else, I think, could do what these two had together on the screen, and and, and it had such a, a delightful movie come out of it. Well said, Mark. Thoughts? The thing that really does work is that chemistry. And what's interesting about this movie to me is you really have two. Usually in these types of movies, one guy's a complete goof and the other guy's a straight man. In a lot of ways, these two guys are playing straight men off of each other, and. Of different stripes, you know, but it really works. One's neurotic and one's just a big lovable mensch, but they're both playing a straight role of who and what their characters are in their backgrounds and their complete culture clashes, as it were. Uh, and you just watch these two actors inhabit these roles 
And, you know, there are times when you're really rooting for John Candy, and there's times you're really rooting for Steve Martin because they're really two sides of the same coin. We've all got a little bit of, of both of them in us. And like Jeff said, this is a movie that works because th- those guys sell it. I, I, I said to Jeff earlier this week, I said, my biggest fear is that somebody will take this movie and ruin it by doing a remake and, and destroying the magic of this movie with with somebody like, um, oh, what's the guy from Ron Burgundy movies? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Oh, good and, Lord. And, 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 yeah, you know, that kind of thing, and just make it a yuck fest with cheap gags. What really works in this movie is that there are some great set pieces, and, and there are some great um, standard trope-type humor that, that you know are coming, but... The actors play their roles straight. They don't mug for the camera. You know, there's a certain poignancy to this to this movie too. I, I mean, I'm not trying to read more into it than there may be, but these guys really, the, in the end, they do need each other and they learn something from each other. Without, you know, and it's got that John Hughes kind of. Uh, all John Hughes movies have that. How people from opposite sides of the of the tracks come together and realize mm-hmm. that they both have something the other needs. Right. Um, but it, it's done really well because Steve Martin and John Candy play roles that they've played in many times in their careers, but they play in this movie, uh, they play them perfect pitch. They, they just, they never go too far and they never sleepwalk through this movie because it is about those two guys. Uh, and, and all the different adventures that they go through, and in the end, it, you know, it's it's all it's it's kind of one of those where you're like, how are they going to end this movie? And they end it just perfectly. Steve Martin hugs his wife, kisses his wife, and John Candy just he's found a family, and he can he he can be here even though it's very bittersweet to him because of the things that are that, that have happened in his life. But to get there, the adventure is is what's just a, a hoot. And I I had not seen this movie for God I don't know twenty years, mm-hmm. and I had seen it in the theater, and I loved it then. And it does; it has something for everybody. It's a perfect date movie. It's a buddy movie. You know, it's not a kid movie unless you see the edited version because of the epic meltdown <laughs> at, the, at the car rental, but. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am giving fair warning. Did not on on request of. I mean, we had the brain trust got together and said, in order to totally appreciate the scene, and when you see the movie, you, you see Steve Martin, who at this point he is at the end of his rope. He is trying to get home. He has now been booted off of planes, you know, kicked out of cabs, you know trains, buses, the whole nine yards. At this point, all he wanted was a car. And then he was renting a car. They drive him out to this lot, and the car that they gave him wasn't there. And he has to walk like three miles back to the rental thing. So at this point, when you see this scene, well, actually, when you hear it, you will totally appreciate it. And when I sat there watching, I'm going, yep, I, I, I almost been there. Almost been there a few times, but... Uh, it's great. So when this particular clip comes up, and I'm going to give a warning, I'll give a uh, you know we'll give a warning 
if you if your kids are listening to this, there's I think they said 18 f bombs in in this particular scene, which I think probably per capita for the time of movie this beats Scarface. So <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, and but the no. Thing I about this movie is we've all been in those horrible travel adventures in airports. Yes. And Steve Martin, because of how his appearance, his character, he does an epic meltdown that you believe because we've all done that inside our heads. We've had that inner monologue. We've wanted to do that. And, Mark, you know, something that you said that I want to just bring up real quick is, you know, Steve Martin. Steve Martin is a... Uh, a classic comedian. I mean, he was back during the SNL days. Uh, you know, one of the great ones from the, I mean, from the original SNL days, uh, Saturday Night mm-hmm. Live. And th- the great part about Steve Martin is he can play that completely straight, prim, proper, totally, you know, suburban dude. And then it's, it's his expressions and some of the stuff that he does. And it, I think it's his physical comedy. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, yeah. It's just like this scene yeah. when he's like running after the taxi. <laughs> he is a brilliant, he, real quick, he's a brilliant physical comedian. Yes. And he does more acting with his expressions yes. than, than any, than most people would ever be able to accomplish. I mean, he truly, people, I don't think people realize just, what what type of an actor this guy is because yeah. you just don't see this anymore but his this guy if you want the definition of sneering watch this movie this guy is the best sneerer if that's a word <laughs> ever if not it yeah. is now we just coined it mm-hmm. the the only there's there's one other person i think does it really well um and one of our favorite actors is um and and th- like you said there's not many of them out there but I think, um, um, and, and and I don't know if I mean they're they're not quite the same. Well, no, not, not I think even close. But Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. is is <laughs> another one of those actors that really just just by he he just he, he's over the top enough that um, that 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 physical acting um, just it it is it is part of the genius of his comedy. And I think part of it is. It's their appearance. It's it's their look. It's their facial makeup because mm-hmm. they can just and there's they're caustic. And you know the best part is John Candy sometimes has no clue. He he has no clue that what what is happening is he is just being piled on. That that he is just being sneered at and being talked down to. Because he's just like, well, you know, you just got to be like a twig in the stream and just kind of go, go with the flow. You just give you a twig and you can't get your flip. <laughs> but, you know, the thing of it is, is that, you know, this movie is a comedy. But, like I said, it was, uh, you know, John Hughes did it. And, um, I mean, even the stuff that he did, mostly with the teenage high school stuff, uh, you know, this one, I think, Seemed a little bit more had had a much more serious tone, I think, than mm-hmm. the others did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that 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 the scene in the motel room, and, and like I said, we're not going to do spoilers on this one because I don't know. Maybe people have not seen this movie. I mean, it's 
it's a it, i think this is a generational movie if you grew up in the 80s you saw it like i said i saw it. i know i saw it in the 80s i know i went to the theater i just didn't make the connection i was like jesus christ has it been that long and I, and that was more of my reaction to this but you know i i don't know how many people have actually seen this movie uh in terms of you know, the the message that they were getting across. And like Mark, like you said, Hughes was very big on doing that, you know, bringing people from not not necessarily both sides of the tracks, but just different personalities together. I mean, it's, you know, you had, uh, uh, you know, Neil Page, which, which uh, was Stephen uh, Martin, or Steve Martin, and Del Griffin and John Candy, and they're just two completely different personalities. I mean, you know, Steve Martin's more, you know, that introverted type guy, whereas John Candy's, you know, he's the sales guy. He's very boisterous, very outgoing, uh, just can't stop talking. So it was, that was a really interesting dynamic to see those two put together. And I don't, I, I don't know which one of you said it, but it was that thing of about how you couldn't, it's, it's, you're hard pressed to find two other actors that could, that could have pulled off this movie the way those two did. Their chemistry and the way they worked together, I just thought was great. Yeah, and the thing is about, when you think about Steve Martin and John Candy as actors, they're really not, John Candy's playing John Candy. I mean, if you've seen Uncle Buck, this role was tailor-made for John Candy. We've said this before about John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. When you go to see a John Candy movie, you know what you're getting. You're getting John Candy. And in some respects, not to, and that's not to diminish either actor. In some respects, that's the same case with Steve Martin. But what John Hughes did is he recognized two actors and their talent for this type of a movie, and he plugged them in because they were pitch perfect with what their comedic, what their comedic strengths were, and brought them together. And because of that, in my mind, they were able to elevate their game because they played off of each other's strengths so well that they were comfortable in their type of comedy and they could take their type of comedy and combine it and do something something fun and special, which I really think this movie is in a lot of ways. Guys, quick, I just want to make some mention of John Candy because oh. there are very few times that – you know, I'll be driving home and you hear about, yeah, so-and-so died, this and that. When I heard that John Candy died, I remember I was driving home from work. And they made a comment, you know, John Candy from Second City and all this stuff. You know, he passed away today. I mean, I almost had to pull over to the side of the road. I was very upset. <laughs> oh, my God. John Candy died? The guy was like 43 or something? I mean, he was like, I mean, Christ, he's younger than I am now. And the guy died. And I, it, it really upset me because one of the things about John Candy was is that, uh, and Mark, I know you'll agree, and Jeff, probably you too, is any movie you ever saw him in, you love the guy. He was the yeah. most lovable, likable person. And I don't know what the guy was like in real life, but his portrayal on screen was just the most approachable, likable person you could ever imagine. Like, like even in this movie, I mean, like you said, I mean, Hughes picked him because this is the kind of role that, I mean, he was made for. This is what John Candy is. This is what this is the type of person that he is. 
and he's just such a great guy. And if and there's no one that could put down the uh, the old ninety six or like he could. <laughs> <laughs> For you know that that's like one of those good bad shows more on the bad side, but <laughs> I mean, he it it makes he makes it good. He makes it worth watching. But you're right. Yeah. Nothing but gristle and fat on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's he is one of those guys that you just enjoy watching him on the screen. He's just such a great, and, and I, I hate to even say the word comedian because it's not like he's up there like cracking one-liners. It's just his presence. It's the way his delivery is. Everything about him was great. And the guy during the 80s, I mean, he was an icon in, you know, the comedy movies of the 80s. And, I mean, he made movies. Like you said, you know, Uncle Buck, The Great Outdoors. Uh, oh gosh! Remember Summer Vacation? That's another classic. Oh, Summer Vacation! <laughs> <laughs> when he la- my favorite scene when he laid out that put anything out and he's like he's as resolute. Oh, that's a good base. That's a good base that night. Oh, mommy, make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in 1941. Yes, in yes. He was, he was in 1941. In I forgot. Yes, we 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 did we did. Stripes. I mean, he was he played Ox, you know, uh, you know, great. The best, the bed, best mud wrestling scene ever in a movie. Yes, you're right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So there's two movies that we've done uh, that he's been. So this is the third John. It's turning into the John Candy podcast here. It's starting to turn into. <laughs> wow. Gonna take Arnold. It's gonna take Arnold. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kurt Russell. Oh, good. Good Lord. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because, like I said, I I am a big fan of his and. Um, and I was, I was like very upset when I heard he died. It was just, it was just like that, like somebody like gut punched you. It's like, what? John Candy died? And it just, it, because, and part of it was, like I said, I have no idea what the man was like in reality outside the stage, but he just seemed like the nicest person in the world. And it just, and, and and that was the thing. I mean, just when you, you know, and you found out that he passed away, it's like, oh my gosh, what a loss! And I and it is a loss. I think it's a loss of comedy. It's a loss to, to the uh, TV shows because, like I said, you know, he made a ton of movies back during the uh, you know the eighties, and they were they were great. It was great stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the great ones of his. I think this is probably, I mean, he did like a lot, what I would refer to as the schlock comedies, like, you know, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, those things. This was a comedy, but it was a little bit more, and I hate to say it's on the serious side, but it actually has, um, what's the right word? I mean, is it like a serious tone? You know, it's it's a situational comedy movie. You're laughing at the situations I think these guys find themselves in, because they're they're not usually laughing at themselves. I mean, it's, right. it's it is just you know it's just life happening. It is a serious tone, only because it's it's not a it's not um, it's not like I don't know Parenthood with Steve Martin. It's, right. It is um, well. I mean, it, it's to a point. I'm going to tr- draw this parallel. It's sort of like Mash, where the 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 humor was just in what was going on about the story and how these guys, what their reaction was to it. Um, Except this movie did a better job of portraying the humor. Uh, that, that's, 
That's your opinion. Um, I'm pretty sure the rest of the crew here and everybody else in America differs with that. But it is not in the, you know, ha-ha, you know, knee slap. These two have found themselves in situations where you're you're laughing because it's 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 ridiculous. Um, you know, for example, like the the infamous shower scene where <laughs> Steve Martin is in there taking a shower, and when he's done, he you know, and he's disgusted the entire time he's in there. He's starting to realize what he's gotten himself into, and he turns off the water and uh, you know looks out into the bathroom and realizes he he just has a a um, a washcloth to try off with. <laughs> you um, know, I'll I mean, tell you what, let, let, let's really just like dwell, delve into that because I, I wanted to talk about like favorite scenes and just talk about some of the scenes. What you're describing right now is like one of the most uncomfortable, gross type scenes of a movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When, when you, when he's looking around, it's like he's st- the floor's wet. There's wet shit all over the place. And he's got one little towel and you're in a room with somebody you have, you don't even know him. I mean, that well, was and, and such a gross. Is, go ahead, Mark. No, that and the next morning. Hey, Neil, make sure you take my socks out of the sink before you brush my, brush your teeth. <laughs> well, <laughs> Here, okay. I, even though I, that, okay, that it, those are not my favorite scenes, but they're an no. example of just the, the the situation where you're just kind of laughing at. I think that is that scene there is probably one of my least favorite, only because of how ridiculous it is. I mean, you know, he, he's going to have to go to the bathroom um, or go into the bathroom and see the situation before he ever gets into the shower. Um, it's it's just a minor annoyance for me. Yes. But but the but what it's doing, and here's the reason that you have this, and this is what I think the movie does brilliantly, is this is how you do character development. And it we we are developing the characters through these two just experiencing each other in these close quarters in these unfortunate situations. And all through this movie we get character development really throughout and that's one of the geniuses of this movie because these characters end up becoming very rich and you really know who they are by the end of the movie and you you see them you see them change too mhm well there's a great scene um and uh, let me I'll, I'll before i say there's a great scene well there's a great scene where you talk about change where they're sitting in that diner and Steve Martin's, you know, he's kind of had an epiphany halfway through the movie of, I'm traveling way too much. I, I'm not, I'm missing my family. Because he's not seeing his daughter's Thanksgiving uh, pageant. And John Candy's echoing that because he's always on the road. But you don't know what that means until later on in the movie where John Candy says, yeah, I'm never home. And there's, there's those Easter eggs that set that up. But both of these guys, for different reasons, are are not happy with their lot in life, and and they're they're they've just they've gotten caught in that rat race for different reasons, and I'm not going to give away the the reasons with John Candy's character, but they they both kind of they're not buddies at this point, they're they're still kind of orbiting around each other, but they 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 have a moment that is, you know it. You can just kind of blow right by it, but it, it's kind of a quiet little pivotal moment that starts to 
change the tenor of the second half of the movie slightly as the direction of where Hughes is going to take these guys. And it's a real, it's, it's kind of a nice little moment about somebody's brought, this adversity has come into your life, but it's making you reassess the decisions you've made in your life. Right. It's, it's kind of well done in a very subtle way. Right. Yeah. But I, I will say, you know, like the bathroom scene, a scene that is completely absurd is we rent a car in St. Louis <laughs> and we're driving to Chicago. Now, for those of you not from the Midwest, that's a five-hour trip, okay? Unless, maybe. 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 Unless you're Dell and Neil, and the only way I can figure that it took them so long and they had to stay at a hotel was they went via Iowa to Minnesota and through Wisconsin <laughs> to get to Chicago. Which because Alabama. maybe, it, yeah, it, yeah, Omaha, Calgary. Well, you but, don't. But that's okay because you don't care. It, it's not about that. It's about watching what's going to happen next to these two guys or what's, what is one going to do to the other that's going to set up the next adventure. <laughs> Well, you know, they talk about that in some of the trivia is about you know, you, the whole thing precipitated is the fact that, you know, Neil couldn't land in Chicago because of this massive snowstorm at O'Hare. So right. he got diverted to Wichita, Kansas. And but when they show when they show, uh, you know, scenes of Chicago, or like where his wife's at, you know, there's like what three inches of snow on the ground. That's not right. going to And they even talk about that in the movie. It's like, you know, good Lord, there's no snow. (laughs) And there's times where it's like, oh, there's snow where there's not supposed to be snow. And so it, it, I mean, part of that just kind of cracked me up. But, you know, no one's going to. But real quick, when you mentioned they land in Wichita, there's a great Ben Stein, who, if you're familiar with Ferris Bueller, 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 he's, he's the guy at the airport. And if you look behind him, he's announcing that, the flights are canceled in Wichita. It says behind him, destination nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I caught that. I thought, oh, brilliant. Because it's one of those, you just, you got to look right behind him. It's right off his shoulder. Destination nowhere. Just, there's little things like that throughout this movie that we can talk about that are just really nicely done. Low key played. Mm hmm. And, and again, this movie is one of those that, um, like for me, resonates a lot more because, like I said, it's a John Hughes movie, and I grew up watching his movies. Um, you know, he did, uh, well, gosh, most of the stuff that he's known for, he did all the Home Alone stuff, uh, Fear Spielers, Day Off, Breakfast Club, Oh, good Lord. Uh, oh, I think pretty he, in Pink, 16 pretty, Candles, yeah, I think. Yep. In 16 uh, Candles. A lot of movies that are clearly not man cave movies. They're not man cave movies, but I'll tell you what, they're still great movies. Especially, I'll tell you what, 16 Candles, I will watch. If that movie comes on, I will sit down and watch it. What the happening? hell are you? Oh, What's no. What's happening, hot stuff? <laughs> you, know, was... you know, look, no. mister, I don't watch cartoons. No. I don't watch comedies. I don't watch good TV. Um, 16 Candles? Have you ever seen it, Muncie? No, you know why? Because oh, I'm a dude. No, Mark, tell him. You need to go watch this movie. It's hysterical. It is great. It is, you, you And it is probably candles. one of the most politically incorrect 
movies that you'll ever see. There are things that I'm like, I can't believe they haven't banned this movie. There are there are things that are in this movie that I'm just shocked that they allow to be on TV today. But uh, real quick, jumping back to John Hughes, and some of the other movies that he did. I mean, he wrote Christmas Vacation, uh, the Home Alone movies. Uh, let's see, he did um, Shisa. Uh, European Vacation, Breakfast Club, Mr. Mom. Uh, he wrote Mr. Mom? He wrote, uh, well, what did he do there? Hold on. He wrote Home he, Alone, he wrote Christmas Vacation, he wrote Uncle Buck, he directed Uncle Buck, he produced Uncle Buck, wrote The Great Outdoors. Because huh. I'll tell you, pound for pound, Mr. Mom, that's a damn funny show. It is a good show. And you know yeah. what? There's a, That's actually probably something we have to put on the Man Cave movie because that is... I've got some issues with it, but it's actually a decent uh, Man Cave movie. Uh, I just was on his IMDb page, but written by yeah. But you know what? The thing of it is, I mean, I like John Hughes movies. I mean, they were great. I grew up with this stuff. So this is, it's a generational thing for me. Um, you know, unfortunately, the man passed away very young. He's 59 years old, had a heart attack. Uh, yep. Yep. And, um, but, you know, when I think of directors... Uh, I mean, this guy stands out because a lot of the movies that he wrote were really kind of directed towards, you know, my generation, especially when I was in high school. You know, a lot of the movies that I referenced. I mean, and some of them, I'll be honest with you, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Breakfast Club, I, I really didn't care for him. I went and saw him. I mean, Breakfast Club, I just did not like at all. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah, it was enjoyable. I liked it mainly because it was shot in Chicago, and it was like, oh, I got to see a lot of stuff that I'm familiar with. But Well, if you say the 80s and movie making, John Hughes comes to mind. Yes. Because he just, he defined, he defined that era in many ways. Yes, yes. Um, and, and whether, you, whether you liked his movies or not, you, you can't argue that the guy, his imprint is on the 80s, and he... He, I, I was like you, I, you know, I was in high school and college during the eighties, but you, you couldn't go a summer without a John Hughes movie coming out. Right. And, and they were, they were targeted. I think, I think why I really like planes, trains and automobiles it, it more than most of his other movies is because it's an adult movie. Yes. Yes. The other movies were teen angst or, or kid slapstick comedy like Home Alone. This is an adult movie because we've all been there to a greater or lesser degree. I mean, this takes it, this makes it epic in the, in the disasters that befall a road trip. But we've all had, you know, no, our K car has not caught on fire and we are not driving it down the, the highway and we're, we're not riding in the back of a pickup truck with a mongrel dog, um, you know, with a guy who, who kind of snorts out of one nostril whose wife <laughs> birthed a baby that was popped out sideways. It's an adult movie, and, you know, it's a shame that he didn't do more of these types of movies because I think he he really had a, um, he had a style that I think he could have translated to moving away from the teen angst movies into this type of, uh, this type of comedy. And he didn't, he went back to what he was comfortable with. Right. Well, and I always kind of looked at this. This was like his ver. This was his adult version of uh, uh, Pretty in Pink. I mean, it was. I mean, you literally had that. You know, the two sides. Another one of your favorite movies. Muncie. 
I'm just asking. I swear to God. 16 candles, pretty in pink. I mean, I figured, you know, Molly Ringwald, you're right there. Well, that's why. He's always had a secret crush on Molly Ringwald. And Nancy Pelosi. You know, there is nothing wrong with Molly Ringwald. I mean, she's... she's, I didn't. I just said you had a crush on her. You don't have to get defensive about your crushes. That's okay. We understand. You can like pretty in pink all you want. Your birthday's coming up here. I'll get you some pink stuff. Actually, my birthday's like well past, dude. I know. I know. I just... But for Christmas... Son of a bitch must pay. I'm just saying. Yeah. Now that I now that I know, you know the, the 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 you know this is this is why these are the movies that you like. This is what we need to know about you, Steve. This is this explains this a is, lot. This is important. This is this, this is a breakthrough this is moment. Important. You know what? Um, and we're glad you're sharing with the audience, Steve. You know, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, my name is Steve, and I like Pretty in Pink. But that's okay. That's a good. That's good, ah! Steve. That's good. Tell us some more. All credibility pretty much out the window now, but uh, go on. Go on, pretty opinion. You know, we're going to move on to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about soundtrack of this movie, or the background music. So, um, you know, it's really going to hurt me when I have to kill the both of you. I, yeah, you know, the thing of it is, I'm actually the bad part of it. I'm going to have to flip a coin to see who's first. Sorry. <laughs> Ah, screw it. You know what? It's going to be. Distance. I got distance. No, it's going to be. No, but I'm dangerous over short distances. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jesus. Where, where is the show going? All right. Uh, real quick, guys. I blame you, Michael. <laughs> it is my fault, you, yes. You I, took us down the pretty and pink railroad siding. You know what? If you've never seen the movie, don't judge it by its title. Don't. Don't say it. Don't. All right, let's talk about soundtrack. Uh, the music in this movie. Guys, what would you think? Jeff, I know you're a music dude. Your thoughts. Yeah. My thoughts are, thank God we do not have 80s movie music anymore. That's my thought. Really? I didn't. It's just that. This stuff doesn't do, it just doesn't do much for me. This that electronica. Um, man. Yeah, when, I know. I when, know. I let you down there. But, when, um, yeah, you know, it just didn't, it, it, it's just, it, given what we have and where we've come, it is, it's, it's just noticeably bad now. Oh, Back but there then, is one, we didn't know wait, 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 there's one great song in this. In there, this. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not saying the entire thing. There are, no, the, there are, the bit with Ray Charles where he, where John Candy is, Air. Oh yeah, air, air piano air playing. Piano playing to mess <laughs> in, around in by car. Ray Charles in the car. That that is worth it right there. There, there. Some of the some of the actual pieces are good. Yes, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the filler music, which there seems to be just a yeah. lot of it. You know, I I almost wonder is that a little bit of a generational thing? Because I look back and I I don't know. I kind of hearken to that. I like that music. I know, maybe, maybe you are a lot older this. than me, so I mean, I'll give you that. I mean, yeah, I've I'm got, I've got eight years on you or so, don't I? Or but I, yeah, or well, seven or, you know, eight years and about. You know, Mark's like seventy-four, so I mean, he was still. Oh, I'm sorry, no, just kidding. That's a dog years <laughs> asshole. Dog years. <laughs> Mark was still a sick Lud Miller back then. <laughs> right. But I'm looking at the names of the bands. Never heard. I mean, other than Steve Earle and Dream Academy, I, I've not heard of any of these '80s bands, and but, I grew up in the '80s. But you know, there's thing, a lot of 
crap. But he did that. But you got to remember, during the 80s, there was a lot of one-hit wonders that came out. There were... Yeah, there were. A well, they t- weren't in this movie. Well, they there didn't. were a lot of guy or I mean, a lot of bands that came out oh, yeah. during the eighties. They made, I mean, their music got in there. But John Hughes was one of those that would pull in like these obscure groups and just throw their music in. And oh yeah, it was almost like like commercial stuff. You know, where you see a commercial, like, oh, that's an interesting tune. Where are they? You know, who the hell knows made that. So, I mean, he was known for doing that kind of stuff. I mean, so that doesn't really, you know, turn me off. But, I mean, I I, I am just a huge 80s guy. I love the look and feel of the movies. I love the music. So, hey, I, I guess hey, I'm biased. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Yep. He's also got the greatest hits of Wham! right next to his DVD collection <laughs> of Pretty and Pink. Um, Wake me up before we... Go, 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 right, go. Steve? You, you, you—that's your—that's your alarm clock, right, Steve? Wow, uh, I'm going to go back to the music here. The music. Uh, if <laughs> I think he's I, getting well, in his car right now. I was. Yeah, I haven't I, heard the, him. The silence you hear is him getting in the car. Um, <laughs> if we're talking about the actual soundtrack as opposed to the music, um, no, the the soundtrack was pretty solid. Well, was there really and, a soundtrack? I, I mean, it was just, yeah, to me, a hot there was a sound, I mean, there was a soundtrack. Oh, okay. Um, if you're talking about actual artists, yeah, there was. And it was pretty solid. And it was very appropriate. Well, I mean, it was 80s. Um, it was 80s. Well, it was 80s pop music. Um, you know, you've had, you know, you had a little Daryl Hall in there, which, um, it, and that's at the, that's the song at the end. Yes. Um, every time you go away, mm-hmm. and and I well, I know we're going to get to the end um, because th- this Mark said it when I spoke to him earlier. You know, this has one of the best endings of a movie, and and everything in the scene works. I think, um, including the music. Yes, but the, the the soundtrack is pretty solid. It is. It is, and it, and it's it it it. He even has fun with it and plays with it. At the right times, like Mark had said, when he's when John Candy is, is driving at night and he's he's playing piano on the keyboard, and you know something is about to happen, and that's it's, it's it, there's a little bit of just you know weird foreshadowing that's going on there. You're just like, all right, something we're 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 too happy right now. Something's going to go awry, and and boy does it. No, you're absolutely right. The one thing that I do want to make a comment on is I think my. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes is when Gus's son comes to pick him up at the at the hotel. <laughs> that that, <laughs> that guy, that dude, and you, you've seen that actor in a lot of other things. And you know what? I have to go back and look it up because I'm like, I've seen him in something else, but I can't tell you what it is. But every time that guy, that dude, um, I can't remember the actor's name. He is in a lot of stuff. And here's the thing: he usually plays like this suit and tie clean cut guy and in that movie what's brilliant is he is so out of character um and he played you just i i can only imagine he just had a hell of a time playing that role because you're right when he when he snores through his nose and he gets his teeth bared i mean it's i'll tell you what I would take him over any of the dudes in Deliverance and a in a pig fight. So it's it's. I mean, sorry, folks, we're laughing. Sorry because you've got to see the seed. You're just 
<laughs> he does it like two or three times where he kind of looks out of the corner of his eye. He gets, he scrunches his nose all up and just gets this grimace on his face. <laughs> and he, the, the sound that is coming from him, it's, it's heinous. I, and I can't tell you what the guy's name is. I'm looking for him on here. Oh my gosh! Oh, the, the 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 guy that picks him up. Yeah, Gus's son. Um, I'll, I'll, let me. I'll tell you. Who hold on. Hold on. Kiss when he pulls up with his wife, of course. Who looks when she jumps out of the truck? It's like she could kick both their asses. <laughs> at I've got the quote. Dylan Baker. Yeah, Dylan Baker was the actor. Owen was his name. The way he kind of shuffles up sideways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this guy right now. I mean, oh yeah, in, what? Is, oh, he, he's, he's been. If a... you're familiar with The Good Wife, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, he is current events right now. I oh mean, yeah, he is in a lot of stuff. You would, if you saw him in his regular suit and tie um, type of character, yes. you would recognize him right off the yep. bat. Yeah, it's yep. yeah. When you see him in there, and you and you don't even realize who it is, but yeah, he was in a couple of Spider-Man movies. Oh yeah, this he guy. In, he is. was in Burn Notice. Oh, was he really? Yep. Who was he? Reigns? Oh yes. I mean, this. I've been dude, watching all of that right now. I remember Reigns. Yeah. This character in this movie, I don't think he's even come close to playing anything like that, and that's why <laughs> it, it, it just. But this this has got to be one of his first roles too. It must have been. Well, you and, know what? It's his it's his first TV movie role. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> the first God. movie. In it's folks, his first movie. In folks, if there's anything to see about this movie, is his performance. Well, as a matter of fact, you, you know, could probably find it on YouTube, and that you know, sets the tone for the entire show. Well, he has a very brief role in a movie we reviewed last, The Mohicans. He plays. Captain de Bougainville, who comes forward with Montcalm when they're negotiating the surrender. Oh, okay. And reads off, he reads off the, the letter from Webb to Monroe about, you know, I, I cannot relieve you. I just looked at that, and he plays de Bougainville. Yeah, so, again, I would never have figured that, because this guy's one of those <laughs> chameleon actors. Because, yeah, when he shuffles up to you off the truck... He looks like he hasn't. Like he slept in his clothes for like six months. He he's looks scared. Like he I mean, uses those, those pigs for something else. <laughs> well, and when he spits and then he wipes his hand and then he shakes his hand, he shakes Steve his Martin, hand. and it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, there was a guy that was really, really working hard for his uh, sack card. But there's a bunch of those types of characters, like the cabbie. The cabbie has what, like two minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, and you see cameos throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. So, guys, I want to move on to some trivia points and then we'll move on to some of the best parts of the show. All right. Uh, let's see. Number one, no transportation company wanted to appear inept or deficient in any way. Uh, so crews had to rent 20 miles of train track and refurbish old rail cars, construct set that looked like an airline terminal. Design a rent-a-car company, logo and uniforms, and rent 250 cars for the infamous rent-a-car sequence. (laughs) Because you know what? It's true. Yep. All right. The marathon car rental scene is exactly one minute long from the time Steve Martin starts his tirade to the time the car, I'm sorry, from the time the attendant ends the scene. In that 60 seconds, 
the F-bomb is used 18 times. And again, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, there will be an explicit tag on this thing so you can hear this tirade in its full entirety. Well, I and should... the car rental agent, Edie McClurg, you've seen her in Ferris Bueller Day, yep. day Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She was the assistant to the principal. She's pulling her pencil out of her hair. She's been, and she's she does a ton of roles. Again, another one of those great character actors. She's got that very nasally voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she's great. I mean, John Hughes cast uh, a lot of these, like Martin Ferrero, who plays the second motel clerk with the whole watch thing. Yeah, yeah. You saw him in Heat briefly. He cast a bunch of those kinds of actors that just appear. I mean, hell, Kevin Bacon doesn't even have a speaking role in this movie. And he's got one of the classic opening oh, scenes ever in a movie. That whole scene reminded me of um, Secret of My Success. Yeah. You know, the music and everything they played. So, I mean, again, you know, folks, this is one of those movies that resonates with me because it pulled in all those elements of the 80s. So, anyway, all right, uh, let's see. Uh, Oh, John Hughes in an interview on Those Aren't Pillows DVD edition (laughs) was inspired to write the classic scene. (laughs) Yes, we're going to go far this year. Yeah. (laughs) All right, John Hughes in an interview on Those Aren't Pillows DVD edition was inspired to write the film's story after an actual flight from New York to Chicago. And he was diverted to Wichita, Kansas, thus taking him five days to get home. So there you go. Truth is stranger than fiction. Is he trying to say somebody was using his buttocks as a pillow? Could be. Could be. All right. uh, Let's see. Uh, Oh, cast and crew traveled from the Midwest to the East Coast and back in search of snow for many scenes, which seemed to melt whenever they arrived. The shoot was hellish, and according to some who worked on it, Hughes' grumpy behavior, he was going through some rough times, only made it worse. Well, I'll tell you what, I remember 1987, they should have shot that shit up in uh, northwest Indiana. There was tons of snow. I don't know how in the hell they weren't doing this in Chicago. I mean, seriously? There was no 87? Are you kidding me? I had to put a snowplow on my Nova just to get to work. <laughs> I'm impressed that you know the snowfall to- snowfall totals in each year of your life. That's just impressive to me. You never lived up in that part of the state. Well, I just figured you just every year you had snow. There's no big deal. Well, no, but they were talking. You just got talking... a snowmobile and, yeah. and just took off for the store. Yep. All right, folks, that is it with trivia. That's it. That's that, it? That's it with trivia. No yep. K-car trivia? I mean, one of the best vehicles ever created for a movie. A slagged-out K-car. A Woody, no less. I'm not I'm sure. surprised they didn't have any trivia about that, how they built that. Oh, I'm sure they did, but I just don't care about cars. Oh, all right. All right. Oh, all right. Well, that's oh, that's right. You just like things that are pink. <laughs> all right, so, folks, that's it with trivia. We are now moving on to one of our favorite parts of the show, and that is, brother, what you drinking? Mr. Muncie. What do you got? Thank you. I'm kind of embarrassed to say that since I wasn't sure if I was going to be here tonight, I I didn't stop to get anything. So we're talking Dr. Pepper, right? Uh, I don't I don't even have that. I've got bubkas here. I I've, I've got I've got I got some spit in my mouth, but that's really about it. Sorry. I'm going to say just be happy I'm here on the damn show. Oh, we are, Jeff. 
Yes. You have failed me for the last time. I'll do it tomorrow, too. Or in, in about five minutes. I mean, you only have milk. I, I got milk. I got milk. Let me go get some milk. I'll get some milk. No, that's all right. Uh, Mark, do you have any beer in your fridge? It's uh, it's gone. It's empty. You have no beer in the house. I've got I've got no beer. I've you have got, booze. I've got I've got wine. I've got wine. I got booze. You could have got, got something. Booze. You got booze. You could have got something. That was you got no I, booze. I you know. I I didn't even think of the booze. I didn't think. Why, of it. why don't you go get? You go get. Fine. Fine. <laughs> all right, Mark. What do you got, sir? All right. I have uh, tenants, a brewery out of Steve. Here's your hint, Scotland. Oh, if it's all Scottish as crap, God, it's been forever. Ever, tenants has issued. I think it's a new beer. I've never seen it before. It's tenants whiskey aged ale. Oh, it is a handcrafted beer. I'm reading the label, mm. aged with single malt Scotch whiskey oak chips. It's a four pack. It is worth. The nine dollars. Buy this beer. It is awesome. Yeah, try, find this beer if you can. Tenant whiskey oak aged beer. Just got a nice, very good English ale taste or Scottish ale with single malt Scotch flavor to it. This is terrific winter beer. Awesome, uh, Steve. Jeff, if you can find it, you won't be disappointed. It's well worth the nine bucks for a four pack. And there you go, guys. It's from Scotland. All right. So, what are you drinking, Steve? Well, let's see. What am I drinking? I am, uh, guys. I am very proud to say that I went out and bought the because uh, it's that time of the year. Uh, Rum chata, <laughs> diet coke, and have your vodka marathon. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I saw a, Steve, no kidding. I saw a billboard tonight on the west side of town. Here we rum go. Chata. Here we go. Why? You know, I'm not the one that drinks that stuff. It's 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 the guy that's not on the show. Why are you digging me on that? <laughs> well, after the pretty and pink comment. Yeah. You know I, what? I, it's all fair game. You know what? There's Son of a bitch must pay. Pink. All right. What are you drinking? I am drinking. Gentlemen, I went out uh, because it's that time of the year. Uh, I got the uh, Sam Adams Christmas pack. Oh, yep. yes. Yep. What do they have in it this year? Uh, let's see. Well, right now, I have, uh, let's see, I put away a winter lager. And the winter lager. That's really good this year. It is very good this year. Thank you, Mark, because I was going to say, wow, that's it. They, they hit it on that one. Last um, year, not so good. Uh, not so good. It was all right. Eh. But this, but this year, year, yeah. Yeah, they're they're not kind of the park this year, and so and I'm putting away a little bit of uh, White Christmas right now, and uh, I've got my backup over here, my all time favorite, the cranberry. No. <laughs> Give me an opening. I'm gonna take it. You know, they don't even make it anymore because I wrote I love a... that. That was good stuff. What? This isn't beer. This is shite. This what is... are you drinking, Fezziwig? I have it, the, the backup right now after this one's done. Old Fezziwig is coming out and going into the man cave mug for this show. Yes. 
So what, you've, you've had the lager. What's the other one you said you've been trying? What was the other <coughs> Christmas beer that they've also got? Uh, they call it the White Christmas. How is that this year? Because last year I did not like it at all. Uh, it's, it's not bad. I mean, it was I too like spicy it. spicy last year. I mean, they you can dial back the, the, uh, the spices. Well, I don't remember last year's. I mean, it's Wait, still. You good. can't remember last week. What are you talking about? No, I, I think it's fine. It's, okay. That's you just know, unfortunately they, cranberry's not in there. That was some good stuff. What? Thank you, Jeff. You guys are like bizarre. Who? I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> You're, oh, thank. You know what, Mister Pretty and Pink? I, <laughs> I don't. I just don't want to hear anything. You know I want to hear nothing. You know what? You haven't you seen. You haven't seen the movie. Any, anything? I. You, go watch a cartoon. All right. Go redeem yourself. <laughs> go watch Mash. Maybe it'll make sense this time to you. No. Nah. You know what, Muncie? You've never seen the movie. You have no idea. All right. So there you go. I, you know what? I'm going to guess Here that I most go. of our audience hasn't seen it either. It's their loss. All right. You can say what you want about me, sir, but you know, I, I challenge the person that's going to say that Captain Dyer has seen Pretty in Pink. <laughs> or Darwin. Or Darwin. You know, <laughs> or Mr. Hambrose, or anybody you know else. You know Santos. Santos has not seen Pretty in Pink. Or if he has, he's not admitting it. No self-respecting man would. We are going to move on to clips. <laughs> clips. <laughs> Our favorite part of the show. <laughs> I didn't know she showed up. <laughs> well, she was in Pretty in Pink. You know, I hate you all. <laughs> all right. All right, number one, this is our good and dear friend, Ken. Anyone who'd pay $50 for a cab certainly pay 75 Not necessarily. <laughs> all right, 75 You're a thief. Close. I'm an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, well. At the back when there was an attorney joke every time you talk, you talk to somebody. Yep, pretty much. Ken will appreciate it. Uh, let's see, number two. First you delay me, then you bump me. I can't wait to see what happens next. Is this a coincidence or what? <laughs> Have a seat. <laughs> I just love John Kenny's <laughs> that laugh. That and this is this is just right after he's found out that John Candy was the guy that took his cab <laughs> that he paid seventy five dollars for to some stranger dickhead, and is now sitting in on uh, in in the airport staring at this guy, who just is you know he's just a jolly old man. All right, let's see number three, folks. I think we talked about a couple of years ago when we had to share a room, all four of us, when we went to Gen Con. This is what we had to listen to. I watched this show and I turned, I turned to Sarah and said, this is being referenced to Gen Con a couple of years ago. Mark my words. And Steve, you, you did not fail me. No, I yeah. haven't. I Jeff. saw as soon as I heard that, I was like, that son of a bitch. 
already and poor Ken, your name. And poor Ken, he had the roll of the pillows. And that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I hate you. That's all right. Okay, let's see. Number four, uh, folks, the classic line of this great and fantastic film. It's a long one, so bear with me. Is this the one where you need to hide the kids? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. <laughs> Those aren't pillows. And they're both like waving their hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, number five. Uh, this is Gus's son, Owen, bragging about his wife. Leave it be. Get your lazy behind out here and put that trunk up in the back. Oh, no, no, the word we've got, it. it's very heavy. She don't mind. She's short and skinny, but she's strong. Her first baby... Come out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. <laughs> that, sir, is something to be proud of. That's a woman. That's right. There you go. That's fine breeding stock right there. She jumps out of the truck, like slams the door. <laughs> I mean, she's ready yep. to go to work. All right, folks, uh, this is uh, your fair warning. This is the... Um, the massive F-bomb quote of the movie. There will be an explicit tag on iTunes, but just fair warning, if you've got your kids listening, get them out of the house. Because you cannot fully appreciate the quote uncensored. How may I help you? can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway. To get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. Okay, I'm just going to go on record <laughs> saying I, I never would have ever thought I would ever play a quote that long with that many F-bombs from a John Hughes movie. I think no. that is, we, we may have to make a plaque. <laughs> I might actually have to make a plaque and put it on the wall above on all this the day and honor of because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. From what I read, there were 18 f bombs in that one scene. There you go. In one minute. Um, that's one every three seconds. I forgot when he until he said walking across a runway. Um, <laughs> That was one of the best parts of that scene. As he's storming back, he is well, he looks like he's walking across the tarmac. I mean, it's it's like oh, he is pissed. Well, but the, and the inner that, monologue that's going on in his head before he gets out there. But the thing that was, I think back then you could actually walk across a runway, and they'd be well, like, "Oh, there's some guy just walking across." Wow, well, well, who wants just, to do that? Yeah. You know, today they'd have SWAT out there gunning you down, so. All right, next one. 
I've never seen a guy get picked up by his testicles before. Lucky thing for you, that cop passed by when he did. Otherwise, you'd be lifting up your schnuts to tie your shoes. <laughs> the music is what makes it. This is why I love the music in the it's background. Just... See, that's classic 80s stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> see, Mur- see Muncy's like an old fogey. He can't appreciate oh, it. Oh, my God. Oh, that's tough crap. I don't want to listen to my damn lawn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, next and one. I love, the best part is the way Steve Martin replies, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> All right, well, here you get to hear his voice after he got picked up by his testicles. Do you have any idea how glad I am I didn't kill you? Do you have any idea how glad I'd be if you had? Oh, come on, pal. You don't mean that. Oh, I'm talking like that, <laughs> like the rest of the scene. <laughs> oh. oh, shit. All right. All right. Last, last clip. Last? Are you kidding? Oh, my gosh. Oh. I, this is number nine, dude. I had to oh. pair it back a little bit. So we had, we had to get a certain... Uh, written rights to air the show in its <laughs> yeah, entirety. Exactly. All right, last one. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? <laughs> How does and he Martin's like, yeah, going? he's right. How would they know where we're going? <laughs> Oh, and that's just a sample, folks. Well done, Steve. But that, truly, to the listeners, this movie has some of the best lines. <laughs> you just sit there and go, they just said that. Well, and now, Steve, I mean, what? I'm, okay, I'm going to set you up here. I'm going to see. I'm going to see if you're going to you're going to pass the test or not. All right. Um, what, what do you think of Steve Martin's character? Did you like him? Yeah. See, I would have thought that you would have hated his character. Because that guy, based on based on other movies we talked about, about characters being jerks to other people in the movie, that guy, Steve Martin's character, was a, just a, a raging asshole to John Candy. He was a douche on a he couple of He was a hateful man yeah. who, who belittled that man, you know, several times. Well, I just thought he would have found him to be a reprehensible character. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I don't think you should have gone as far as you did in other characters. Well, I mean, I just want to see where you sit. I just want to see where you sat with this guy. I mean, the thing though was John Candy's character was a little bit overbearing, very annoying. You know, the hotel scene. Oh my god! No, I mean, not would have been like. Yeah, I. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, not if you hadn't paid a deposit and put money down at Gen Con, yeah, you probably would have, because Ken did. Ken was like, I'm going home. <laughs> Screw you guys. Well, there was Screw that. Well, guys. see, there I'm you go. Home. There you go, Ken. <laughs> you guys, I'm going home. Yeah, see, Ken walked out on you. He's like, ah, <laughs> screw this shit. I'm going home. Yeah, yeah he pulled a Cartman on it that night. <laughs> it just goes to show in the zombie apocalypse, Ken is not making it very far. Yeah, he's a lawyer. They don't eat lawyers. <laughs> Here's the thing. I mean, I don't blame Ken because this is what he had to uh, listen to. (laughs) (laughs) 
mean, that was nuts. I, like, I, I had no problem with that. And then, what... and then, Jeff, when you took your socks off, that was it. That was it. That was that was, that was it. Right there. Oh, my God, Frodo. <laughs> Proud feet. Proud, Proud feet. Why do you even wear shoes? <laughs> Those aren't shoes. It's oh. just a layer of skin. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Where is this show gone? All right. I blame you. It's all my fault. All right. There we go. All right, folks. We are done. We are done with clips. We are now moving on to the Man Cave movie review checklist of this great and fantastic film. Let's see. Number one. Did anyone jump out of a window? This seems like a movie where somebody would have jumped out of a window. No, but, there, but the thing, only window yeah. breakage I remember is when the K car backs into yeah. <laughs> into the room, and then they both bail out real quick and take off. But yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no, no, there's no, no break, nobody going, nobody's going through windows. No. All right, uh, moving on. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in this movie? No, I don't really think so. I don't think so. All right. No. All right. Next one. <laughs> Was there... Jeez, <laughs> it never gets old. I, yeah. I still, can, I can, I still cannot get over it. Uh, was there Wilhelm scream in the movie? There was not. I'm surprised. You know, this is a movie that there should have been one. Yeah. Now, there were some great screams from Steve sure. Martin. There was, a Wil- there, there was a Wilhelm scream from this podcast. Yeah, well, there was that. No, there was no Wilhelm scream in this movie. No, you're right. All right, next one. Uh, could a female role be better played by Tony Contain? She would have been too hot as the wife, so that wouldn't have worked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they would have had to kind of suburban her down a bit. Yeah, and you can't do that with her because she's just too hot. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about too hot. Muncie, don't even start. Don't don't go there. Just 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 sit there with your milk. No, nothing. No, bupkis. Bupkis. All right, let's see. Was there a montage in this movie? The whole movie's a montage. No, it's not. No, yes, in the sense of we get a cheese truck. <laughs> then we get a burned-out cake. I mean, they're well, always trying to find a... All right, I'm going to throw out a montage. Okay, I want to see if you get the one that I did. What What about the shower ring scene where he's trying to sell them? Yes, yes, there you go. Yes, there's your montage. Good, Mr. Muncy. Very well done. This is for the from the Tang. Is that what Dynasty. you were thinking, Steve? Yep, absolutely. Very well done. Yep. These are from the Tang Dynasty. They're a reproduction. <laughs> these are made from helium. Helium, I love that. Helium. They make you look at least 18, 19 years old. <laughs> <laughs> they all hand over their money. <laughs> absolutely okay. great at what he does. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Very well done, Jeff. Uh, last and certainly not least. So it begins. Was there a Babylon 5 reference 
in this movie. Are you guys ready for this one? Holy shit. No, there was nobody. No, there was nobody. I just want to get your hopes up. I was surprised. Weren't you, Jeff? A little bit, yeah. A a lot of character actors. I thought somebody would have appeared in an episode because a lot of these people did TV in that period. Nope, nobody. All right, folks, that is it with the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. We are now moving on to the Man Cave Movie Review of this great and fantastic film. Jeff, take this one. No, I was. I did it last week. It's all Steve. you. Steve. No, it's Steve. No, Steve you haven't been that. here in like a month. No, no, no. No, yeah, I have. Oh, no, Steve. no. It's all you. No, no dear, I want Steve. Dear, no, sir. I want Steve. Steve all loves right. Pretty in Pink in the 80s. I want him to do this one. Steve, this is a, this has got a soft place in your heart. All right, folks. Um, I have been uh, tasked with giving the review on this great and fantastic film. I really like it. It harkens back to the good old days that I always enjoy of the John Hughes movies. This is a great buddy movie. For those of you who have ever seen the John Hughes movies, they are always that, you know, the two kids from across the side of the tracks that get together. That's what this is, but from an adult side. And for those of you who have ever traveled, you will enjoy this movie from the fact that, yeah, if your flight gets delayed, you're screwed. It, it, was, it was a fun movie. It wasn't slapstick. It wasn't over-the-top over comedy, but it was fun. As comedies go, and I am not a big fan of comedies, but this is one of the better ones. I'm going to give it a nine. Setting the bar pretty high. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I've always liked this movie, and it's one of those that when, when it's on TV, I, I, will, I will stop every time. It's it's a funny situational show that gets you laughing at really their sadness. We didn't talk on it too much. We just briefly mentioned it. I really like the great reveal and the ending, and it's one of the few movies that I think when I first watched it, it really caught me off guard, and I got pretty choked up. There, you know, there's enough hints along the way that when you look back in retrospect, you're like, yeah, I missed that or it just didn't make sense at the time and 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 when you have the great reveal with steve martin as he's sitting in in the l i'm going to say it's one of the best endings to a movie because you know that everybody's going to be okay you know throughout the movie you know you've got two fractured people who you don't know you know they're 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 all struggling they're both struggling and in the end you know, it makes sense that they're going to be okay and they're going to be okay together. So I recommend this. This is one of those movies I, I, I recommend to everybody, anybody, uh, to, to see it. And uh, because of that, Steve, I um, I concur with your nine. Wow. Mark? Yeah, it, it, it hits all the right notes, and I really got to give credit to the actors. They infuse this movie with, with the right deft comedy touches for their characters. And a certain humility and angst that the payoff in the end really works because of that. And there's, it's it's a great comedy. It's a great buddy movie, but it's also got a lot of poignancy and heartwarming end that's not schmaltzy. That you just, it's it's the payoff is so worth it. It's a perfect holiday movie. There's very few Thanksgiving movies. It, it really does withstand the test of time. Um, and it's a credit to two very renowned comedic actors 
that took their gifts and combined them and created a very special little holiday movie that um, did very well at the box office. Oh, real quick, I will insert this. I'll do Ken's job. The top movies of 1987 were Three Men and a Baby was number one. We'll never review that. Fatal Attraction was number two. We'll never review that. Beverly Hills Cop was number three. Good Morning America. Good Morning America. Good Morning Vietnam was number four. (laughs) Hot. Moonstruck was number five. The Untouchables was number six. We did review that movie. So far, that that and maybe Beverly Hills Cop 2, although that sucked, would be men's movies. Secret of My Success was number seven. Eight was Stakeout. Nine was Lethal Weapon, which is a good Man Cave holiday movie. This movie came in at number 21. It made $50 million. It It's a great holiday movie, and it's a great buddy flick. And I agree with you guys. It's a nine. It is streaming for our fans who are listeners on Netflix. Watch it during Thanksgiving. You'll probably add this to your collection of movies you'll watch during the holidays because it's just a little gem of a movie. So, yes, I agree with my co-hosts. It's a nine. Great flick. All the way around. Nice. Folks, like I said, this is a great movie, and I really do highly recommend for those of you who have never seen this, please do go see it, Uh, particularly before the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. You're really going to enjoy it. Trust me, it's going to be a good show. And it's not a long movie. It's only 90 minutes. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. Actually, it's a very short movie uh, by today's standards. So it's you're in and out. And it's it's a lot of fun. Seriously, go, if you have not seen this, go see it. It's great. All right, folks, that is it for the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 134, where we talked about planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, check us out at our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Uh, leave us a comment and tell us if you like the show or did not like it. And you can uh, check us out at Facebook at Man Cave Movie. And um, also follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So until then, I'm your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. How about them bears? Slower. Remember, folks, if someone tells you wolverines make good house pets, don't believe them. You know, you can find the most obscure parts <laughs> of a movie. And all you're like, oh, gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> nice. Very well done. Thank you. And also saying, so, <laughs> and three, two, one. And also saying farewell and adieu is our other very good dear friend, Jeff, you insensitive bastard, Muncie. <laughs> um. You know, at the beginning of the show, I should have told you uh, to please have mercy. I've been wearing the same underwear since Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and there you go. All right, and on behalf of our other very good dear friend, Ken, you're going the wrong way, Roni. He sends his regrets and regards. He will be back at some point when his social calendar allows but folks we worry <laughs> it might it actually might be our third anniversary you never know but no folks seriously on behalf of the crew here at the man cave movie review have a very happy thanksgiving 
and uh, hopefully safe. Uh, gorge yourself on a lot of food. Drink a lot of beer in remembrance of all the guys over here. And uh, we're going to, holiday commitments aside, we should have a, a show for you that weekend. But if we don't, you know what? It's the trip to fan. Yeah. So the, <laughs> it's the trip to fan. So there you go. Uh, folks, have a great holiday weekend. Ciao.